Steve at Snowbird about, I think it was about eight years ago. They had the morning session where all the, the youth leaders would go in. It was about 7 o'clock in the morning. And he asked us like he did this morning. He said, how are you this morning? And we didn't say a word hardly. He jumped on us and screamed. He said, if y'all not excited, how are your kids going to be excited? Then he looked at us and he said, how many of you know you're going to heaven? Well, I didn't raise my hand because I was there, but I wasn't sure. And I'm sure he was pointing to somebody else, or at least I tell him I think he was pointing to somebody else, but it felt like he was pointing directly at me. He said, if you don't know you're going to heaven, how are you going to get somebody else to heaven? And this morning he talked about us being a witness and us taking the word further. So I bring you my friend Steve. He's married 45 years to Billy Faye, two kids and 13 grandchildren. So he's got something to tell and lead us about. Here you go, Steve. Uh, we're so uh, God, glad that God has brought us all together. I'm excited that I uh, didn't run everybody off this morning. That was uh, I'm pretty ha- happy with the crowd. And uh, uh, this morning we did study about uh, what is a witness and how do you witness and how do you overcome. The, what we're going to be talking about is how to overcome fear, how to uh, work on your strategy a little bit, and appropriating the power. And tonight, uh, we hope everybody brought a pen and paper, and uh, if you have plenty, you might share, make sure everybody's got pen and paper. Uh, Ladies, you should have known that you should have brought pen and paper for your husband, okay? Because he's not going to remember. This is not part of the sermon, but I'll tell you ladies something else. If you know a book that he needs to read, don't get the book. You buy the book, and you highlight the parts you want him to know, and then give it to him, okay? And he might read it, okay? But don't ask him to read the whole thing, all right? That was supposed to be kind of like uh, Today, uh, we come together to start this uh, teaching on on, uh, on the revival and on, on interdu- and uh, witnessing to folks. And uh, when we say witness, all kind of crazy things come to our head. And like I said, we've all got all these programs that we learn in verse. And, you know, there, you, we need to be memorizing Scripture. Thy word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You know, and th- we need to know Scripture. We need to ver- memorize Scripture. But to share your testimony, you just need to know enough Scripture to explain to somebody uh, how much they need to do to get saved. And then you need the life of your example as the rest of the, that. If anyone, uh, has anybody here ever uh, been on a, a witness in court? Can, has anybody been a witness in court? Somebody raise your hand. I know we have. Okay. All right. Let's go back here. Uh, uh, is this on? Hello. There you go. Okay. Yeah, can you stand up, please, ma'am? I shouldn't have raised my hand. Uh, I know you shouldn't have. <laughs> you didn't know what I was going to do, did you? Okay, now then. Oh, I've got one on. You can have this one. All right, now then. When you went to court as a witness, did they swear you in so that you would tell the truth? Yes, sir. Okay, and then... They sat you down and asked you what? 
Your name? Right. A name, where you live. Where I live, where I uh, work. Uh, that's all that. They ask you all that stuff. And then what did they ask you about what you were going to witness to? What did they what did they ask you? Well, number one, are you going to tell the truth? They were asking that. Okay, but did they ask you what happened? I told him I couldn't hear good. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're not going to cooperate, are you? No, sir. <laughs> uh, well, what you, did you say? Uh, <laughs> you should have told him what happened in the situation, okay? Uh, you should have told them what you saw, and you should have told them that you saw it like you saw it. Now, could you, anytime during that testimony that you didn't hear to give, <laughs> did they ever ask you what your husband thought? Oh, no, sir. Why couldn't they do that? Because he won't fail. <laughs> No, 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 no. I wish you'd not raise your hand too, okay? <laughs> Give her a hand. Has, it, I, I'm, has anybody else ever been a witness in court? <laughs> Who else? Who's been a witness in court? Okay, well, the point of this story was supposed to be that when you go to court, when you go to court, the only thing you can do is tell what you saw, about what you experienced, and that's all you can tell. You can't tell what somebody else told you. You can't tell what you thought happened. You can't do anything except tell exactly what happened to you in this situation. And that's what witnesses do. You're not a, a defense attorney that has to disprove the case. You're not a prosecuting attorney that has to prove the case. You're not a judge that has to judge the case. But you're simply a witness to what happened in your life. That's what it means to witness for Jesus. You simply tell the, somebody what happened in your life? Share your experience. And the thing about it is, is uh, we've got all kind of ideas, but, but watch this. The yellow car ran the red light and hit the green car. I'm done. That's all I saw. That's all I experienced. And you know what? That's your testimony. I was lost, and I got found, and now my life is better. It's, That's, it's just that simple. We've tried to make it so hard and so complicated, but you know what? All you got to do is tell what you saw. And see, now, now that is exactly what happened. Now, you know, we've got four Gospels, and what those four Gospels are, are they are four different perspectives of one event. 
You know, uh, if you you if you was well, if you were at an accident scene and you were up on a ladder fixing a light pole, but and another person was standing at the corner right where the cars hit, and another person was in a car driving behind them, and another person was over there coming this way, and they witnessed the same event, and they had four different perspectives. You see, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the reason they're written differently. It's from three, four different perspectives. But when it comes to your salvation, you know what happened. Okay? You know that. So all you got to do is share it. And you know, and, and it's not, we're going we're gonna to practice doing that just a bit. No, we're going to write it. We're not going to ask for volunteers. <laughs> I done done enough of that tonight to wear me out for a month. But anyway. Why should saved people not tell what Jesus has done in our life? We talked about this morning. We ignore or misunderstand the commands. We displace our lordship and we forget about the fate of the lost. But uh, Paul's part of Paul's testimony, we're going to study it in, in, in detail in a minute. He says, For I was born into the pure blooded Jewish family that is a branch of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, what more? I, what more? I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strongest obedience to the Jewish law, and I obeyed the Jewish law so carefully that I was never accused of any fault. That's what his life was before. You need to be able to tell what your life was before, before you got saved. We're going to talk about it. Before you got saved, you need to describe what was happening in your life. And what you were feeling. What brought you to the place that you know you need a Savior? Okay? So you do that, and, and then you've, you've done the introduction. It is true, saying, and everyone should believe in Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I was the worst of all of them. That's what Paul said in, two Timoth in, in uh, 1 Timothy. And what we need to uh, look at right here, and uh, the uh, singers have already induced, uh, introduced my sermon. Uh, you know, I never went to seminary, uh, cemetery, but I never went. But anyway, I didn't go to seminary. And so when I preach, I have to kind of look for God to give me a thumbs up on which way I'm going, you know. And when the, when the singers introduce the sermon, I say, okay, I, I got you, I can go ahead. But anyway, it says in uh, Acts chapter 1, it says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness. He said you will be, not you might be, not that you should be, but he said that you will be his witnesses. Now, with another story in the Bible, you remember when he called his disciples and he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They don't have to become fishers. They don't have to, I mean, they don't have to you know, become witnesses. But you know what? They do have to follow. He says, follow me, and you will be my witnesses. See, remember what this talk about this morning? About selling out to Jesus and making him your everything. That's what, if you're following 
following Jesus, let me tell you something. If you're following Jesus, you're fishing. And if you ain't fishing, you ain't following. That's right. You can say whatever you want, but that's the truth of the matter. We've got to realize that if we're following the covenants and commandments that he gives us about witnessing, we will be witnessing. Amen. We won't be thinking about it. Uh, it said, now there's um, two kinds of power we're talking about here. And uh, in Acts 1.8, it says, and God will give you the power to witness. You will give you the strength to do it. And you know what? All he wants us to do is share, and it's not our job to say. So many people say, I just don't think I could ever do it, and I'd never see. It don't matter if nobody you ever witnessed to in your whole life, you see them say, you planted seed, and you've done your job. Amen. Okay? You've done your job. You have done the best you can do to see that that person has the knowledge that they need to receive Christ. And see, we need to do that. Then also, in Romans uh, 1.16, it says that the power of the, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. God gives you power, but let me tell you a secret. The Holy Spirit has its own power when it comes to witnessing. When you look, how can, how can somebody be in a motel room about to blow their brains out and pull, pull a Gideon Bible out of the nightstand and open it up and give their heart to Christ and live? How can somebody pick up a, have you ever seen a chick track? They're gospel tracks, but they're drawn like cartoons. And people get those chick, chick and they're, they're doctrinally sound, but it's a cartoon drawing. And people get saved. Why? Because the gospel has its own power. Amen. And if you'll turn him loose, he'll do his job. I was trying to think of a word picture that I could use tonight. And you know, we're, we're big, real big about you know, talking about Jesus, Jesus, the Lion of Judah. And man, it's like we've got him in a cage right here. The pulpit's a cage and the lion's in the cage. And we walk around the cage and we stand behind the cage and we talk about how strong the lion is and how, how wonderful he is and how he's king of everything. And we talk about him and we sing about him, but we leave him in the cage. Can I tell you all we need to do with the gospel is just turn him loose. Just turn him loose. Let the lion go. He'll do his job. But you know what? We won't let him go. We talk about it. We do all that. We won't let him go. Now, you need to understand about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when, when Jesus uh, was crucified and then he went to heaven and the Holy Spirit came back, there were men and women that were, were Christians that had not been taught about the Holy Spirit. And so the, the elders laid hands on those people, and they received the Holy Spirit. But then after Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit came down, when you get saved, you get the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and you get all of all three. Amen. Amen. Now, now you say, well, what about, 
You know what? I, 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 I'm talking to you guys about surrendering your life to God. Amen. And I'm talking about you surrendering your life to the Holy Spirit. And I'm talking to you about surrendering your life to Jesus. And see, the, you know, I've never read a story about anybody that was, my, uh, that was, that was used mightily of God that they had a salvation experience, but then there's a time when they just flat sold out. And it was not that they didn't get the Holy Spirit until then, it just yielded them to the Holy Spirit. So, so you can explain that very clearly. And you can understand that. But you know what? We need to let him out. We need to turn him loose. And we need to do our part testimony, and then God will do the rest, I promise you. Amen. Okay, do I have glasses? Yes, I do. It says in Acts 26, verses 1 through 23, uh, Paul gives us a perfect example of sharing your testimony. Uh, and so let's, let's, can I get that up on the board? All right, now then, how about this? How about if we all read it together out loud, and that way I won't have to mess it up. How about that, okay? <laughs> Y'all read real loud, okay? Then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I made my defense against all the Especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversy. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me. 
Amen. Will y'all all come with me every time I pray out loud? That is a, a perfect picture of the gospel. It talks about where he was, what was going on, and what he was feeling before he was saved. Then he and then he talked about how he found out he needed a savior, and then how he accepted Christ, and then he talked about his life after salvation. Now, if you'll look at that passage, if you look in the verses uh, uh, 1 through 3, uh, that's what I call the, the it, this is a given, okay? I don't list it as part of the salvation, but it, this is the be nice of your, your testimony. Uh, I told you, I, I didn't tell you, but my mother's daddy was a preacher and she prayed that she would have a son as a preacher, and I was her only son, and all I heard all my life was, you're going to be a preacher, and uh, I was not happy with that prognosis, and I'll just tell you, it was, it was tough, okay? And I heard that over and over and over, and, uh, and, uh, and then but what happened, my mother would send anybody she could find to come to my house to tell me about Jesus. And I mean, I had a lot of people come in there. Brother, I'll tell you right now, if you don't be born again, you're going straight to hell. And I said, if I got to go to heaven with you, sport, soon go. <laughs> when you start dealing with people, your friends and everybody, you know, you, you just, you need to do that in love. Amen. If you don't share that in love, you're not sharing Jesus. Amen. Because he is love. So when you, when you talk to anybody, just know that you need to love him, them more than anything else. And so we, we, ha we have the be nice, but I think that's a given. But in the next verses, starting in verse 4, it talks about the fact in the, verse 4, he said that he was born to a Jewish family, the tribe of Benjamin. In verse 5, it said he was a Pharisee, okay? The most strict sect of the Jewish faith is the Pharisees. There's the one that quotes uh, the law and know the law. And then in verse 9, it talks about the fact that he was opposed to the gospel. Okay? He, I mean, he hated the gospel. He hated the gospel message. In verse 10, it says that he persecuted Christians, put them to death, and then killed them, and then said that he, and then he voted against me. He said, that was good. I did good. And he was on his way to do the exact same thing when God intervened. When God intervened and struck him down with a light, a heavenly light, and he heard the gospel for the very first time. Uh, in verse 19, it says, uh, and you see that, we have the before Christ, how he met Jesus on verse 13. He said he saw a light. Verse 14 says uh, Jesus spoke to him. Verse 15, Jesus tells him that he is Jesus, the Lord. Number 12 says he's uh, obedient. So here his life, this is his life when he came to Christ. Before he came to Christ, when he came to Christ. And then starting in verse 12, uh, his life since he came to Christ, okay? Three parts, before, 
when and after. That is all it takes for you to share your testimony. The fact that you've got those things. You know, uh, some people may say, well, you know, I got saved at an early age and I don't have much of a testimony. Or, or, you know what, you know, I was really not very bad and I didn't commit many sins. And really, I, kinda, I think God's proud that he got me. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I'm convinced, I said this morning, that unless you get lost, you can't get saved. And uh, if we were to ask what's the favorite hymn of the church among all denominations, what would it be? How great there are, right? I mean, you, you can hear how great there are anywhere. But let me tell you, uh, let's, and, and this is going to be real dangerous, let's sing the first verse of Amazing Grace together, okay? Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Amen. Do you realize what you did in that song? You just called yourself a wretch. Do you think you were a wretch? You just said you were. And God saw you as a wretch. I don't care if you were six or 60. Let me tell you something. A wretch is somebody that is miserable and distressed. And because of misery and distress, misery loves company. So you, that, that misery person, he is wanting to put as much misery on everybody. And so then the, then the words the, the, are demons and, and the, all kind of other things that are, that are people that are, are wicked, that are a wretch. You know what? Before you got saved, you were a wretch. You are a rebel shaking your fist in the face of Almighty God, saying, I will not give you my life. And you need to realize that you need to realize that you needed a Savior. It says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Uh, has anybody ever, I mean, you've been lost in your car, I'm sure I was, you know, a lot. Tonight, okay. Stan drew me a map, totally messed me up. But have you ever been lost? I'm not I'm talking about physically lost. Where you didn't know where you were. Let me tell you something. You know, if a if a four year old baby wanders away from the daycare or Alzheimer uh patient slips out the back door and goes in the woods, they're lost. And they're lost with no hope of being found except somebody found it. Can I tell you something? You were a wretch and you were lost. And unless Jesus found you, you're condemned. Amen. Not by what you do. No, God doesn't condemn you, but you have condemned yourself. Through the sin nature that we got from all, we all are condemned, okay? 
It said we were blind, but now we see. You know what? The Jews are blind to the fact that Jesus is the Savior. He's, God says he has blinded the eyes. He knew what he was doing, and, you know, he did that. And, you know, the, the Jews do seven different feasts every year. And if you take the elements of those feasts and the things they say and the things they do through those feasts, you, how in the world could they miss that Jesus was the Savior? But their eyes were blinded. You know what? Before I was, I went to church every Sunday. I was there every time the doors opened. My mother and daddy drugged me to church. But my eyes were blind. I thought Christianity was, was for old people and sick people. And I didn't need any of that. Besides, I didn't think Christians had any fun. I go to church, they go, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior. I say, you call that victory? You come down there to the river on Friday night, and I'll show you some victory. Ah. <laughs> and I was blind. I didn't know. And you know what? You were blind too. And you, were, you didn't need a Savior. But you do. Because once you're found, you see. You see what God's plan was for your life. You were dead, and now you're alive. You know, there's different kinds of dead. There's dead, dead, like we have here on earth. You know what? I love music. I don't care if it's southern gospel or contemporary or acoustical or what is that. And I love music. And if you ever hear that I have died, you just take that box and roll it down this aisle and park it right here and sing a song full of the Holy Ghost and worship in Jesus. And if I don't come out of that box, bless God, you can bury me because I'm dead. Amen. That's right. And that's the kind of death have on earth. But Adam and Eve experienced another kind of death. When they chose to sin against God, they had a spiritual death. They did not die physically, but the light of the Spirit of God in their lives went out. And before you accept Jesus Christ, you are spiritually dead. And once you have revived, like I said, if you have unconfessed sin in your life as a believer, then the fellowship between you and God is broken. And God can't work in your life if he can't talk to you. It says that we were wicked. Romans 4, 5. People came to Jesus and said, I've cast out demons in your name. And he said, apart from me, I never knew you. One time when I was in, I hate to even tell you this. One time I was in college, I was so drunk, I didn't know where I was. And I decided to call my girlfriend down in Georgia, I was in Virginia, and I dialed my mother's phone number by mistake. <laughs> now you talk about wicked. She said, son, I'm so glad to hear from you today. 
funny. And you know what? That's the reason I called. I'm so close to God right now that I just had to call you. That's who I was. That's who I was. And you know what? You were wicked too. We all were wicked. And then it goes on down here and it says that if we are not sharing the faith, that we are an enemy of God. He said, unless you are gathering with me, he said, you are casting abroad. Unless you're bringing, if you're not sharing people and bringing people to Christ, he said, you're against me. You're my enemy. When you don't share your testimony, you think of yourself as an enemy? God says you is. You are. And you're an enemy of God if you're not doing what God called you to do. You know, the, the thing is, as I think most of us that aren't witnessing, we forgot where God got us. We forgot what shape we were in when he came after us. We forgot what he did for us in Calvary. See, the thing about it is that there's a problem in the world, and it's called human nature. It don't matter if you're riding on a camel's back or in a Cadillac, human nature has never changed, and it's exactly the same. One of those, uh, one of the facts is that the further away you get from your salvation experience, usually the further you away, you further away you get from the joy and wonder and excitement and knowing God and loving God. You got saved a long time ago. If you're not working and staying in touch with Him, just drift away. Not knowing to, not meaning to, but you just drift away. And you know what? When you drift away, you're not sharing. Remember, you've got three parts of your testimony. Jesus was a servant, so you need to be a servant. And the best service you can offer anybody is to lead them to Christ. Show a life that gives evidence of your salvation. That's the part, last part of that passage about Paul. Okay, now then, everybody listen up. We've got an assignment, okay? Now, in about five minutes, I want everybody in here, and everybody includes everybody, okay? I want everybody to write out in about five minutes what your testimony was before you came to Christ. Part one. Before you came to Christ. Now listen to me. I got a bunch of stuff I want to tell you. Okay? You can talk about where you grew up. You can talk about your family. You can talk about your interests. You can talk about school or sports or music or college. Uh, don't use a lot of churchy stuff. I was condemned in hell. Verses 9, 7, and 8 that I was good. Not all that stuff. Just what was going in your life what was going on in your life before you came to Christ. Talk about regular stuff, not church stuff, but life stuff. Not only describe what you were doing, but how you felt.
Were you discouraged? Were you, were you uh, lack of self-esteem? Uh, you know, the world needs to see our scars. And you can't pretend you're perfect and share the gospel. They want to see your scars. They want to know that you're hurting like they were. They were you were hurting like they are hurting. And that you had to found an answer and they can too. Uh, I don't want I don't want you to brag on sin. You don't need to tell every beer you drank and every girl you kissed and how wonderful you were. None of that. Don't brag on sin. How you came to have a need for the Savior and how you realized you had a need for a Savior, okay? Now, uh, I'm going to read you a short version of my testimony. And uh, you can see what, I was born in Roswell, Georgia. We were poor, uh, we were a poor version of the Leave it to Beaver family. My parents had the struggles of every family, but as far as I knew, life was good. I was a good boy, had good ethics, good worth ethic, and I did everything my parents asked me. Uh, I was in church three times a week, but I was always big for my age, and so I always hung out with the older kids. Pretty soon, I was doing what the older kids do, and it wasn't what my parents taught me. Uh, basically, I became an arrogant, selfish, know-it-all jerk. I was. In the college, uh, while I was playing football, I fell in love with my, with my wife, Billy Faye, and uh, we had a daughter and a son on the way, but my behavior had not changed, and my life had no purpose and no direction. I was empty inside. I was uh, depressed. I was uh, no, no self-esteem whatsoever. And he said, one day, while driving my little girl to daycare, she started singing a song that she learned in church. And she started singing, Jesus Loves Me. And I listened to her sing. And with tears running down my face, I realized my little daughter knew about God's love. And that concept was totally away from me. I didn't know anything about God's love. You know what? And, uh, but through Christianity, uh, you know, and, and so, so that, that is the, the first part of my testimony, Okay. Just about five minutes, okay? And I'll time you. When you get through, I want you to put your pencils in your holder and put your head on your desk. <laughs> Some of y'all are going to be riding home tonight, and you're going to get that, and you're just going to laugh. All right, I'm timing you. What your life was before Christ the yellow car ran the red light and hit the green car. That's what you're trying to write down. And I need everybody to write it, okay? And I'm going to come around and check your work, too.
Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and wind that up. Y'all did very well. I didn't see paper wads or spitballs going across the room. And y'all did good. Now, the first part uh, of how you came to Christ, uh, is what you've just written, okay? Now, if you didn't finish, don't try to finish now, but just finish up, you know, tonight when you get home. But that is you in your first effort of writing your testimony. It's going to be a pretty good effort, okay? And at least you'll have the facts. Now then, that part of your testimony can change. Sometimes you're going to have three minutes to share. Some minutes you're going, if you're on an airplane, you've got 30 minutes to share. You know what I'm saying? And so your, your testimony will grow like this depending on the situations. Uh, as the Holy Spirit reveals to you what's going on in the person's life that you're talking to, you'll change some examples and stuff. And you're looking for ways that you relate to the person. See, people are looking for the world Someone's real and open, and we need to show the world that. And you need, and you've written about how you came to Christ. Let the line out, and let's go. Uh, searching for answers. The next is my life story. Uh, how I accepted Christ, or when I accepted Christ, and we need to write that part of our testimony. We'll take five minutes to do that, but I want you to, uh, to know that every person's experience is going to be different. There'll be dirt, certain, different circumstances that bring you to the need of Christ. There'll be, you know, you might be at church, or you may be at home. Uh, I was on my cousin's kitchen floor when I gave my life to Christ. All that, all that's going to differ. But you know that being saved is an event. When you got born, it was an event. And since your very first birthday, you have celebrated something on that day because it was an event. Can I tell you something? Getting saved is an event. It's something that happened that changed your life, and you remember it happening, okay? I got a sneaky feeling that when the creator of the universe steps off his throne in heaven and comes to live right here, you'll know it. Amen. You'll know it. And you, those of you that can remember that know it, do you remember how excited and glad you were that you were saved? Amen. And how you wanted to tell everybody and everybody that you had been saved? And you didn't know any verses, and you didn't know any scripture, but all you knew was you're saved. That's what you need to tell right now. You need to write out in five minutes what happened, how did you come to Christ? Now, wait a minute. Now, one more thing, very important thing. I mean, I've shared my testimony over and over and over and over, and, you know, I do this, use this method, use that method, da 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 you know, all this different stuff. But until I studied this material here, I'd been missing one thing. When you tell how you came to Christ, you must include the gospel. Remember that thing I told you, it had its own power, would do its own thing, and all you got to do is turn him loose? That's the gospel. 
But you have to tell them that you realize that Jesus came and led a perfect life. And he died a sacrificial death to pay your sin debt. And he didn't stay dead. That he was in the grave three days and he arose. And he was seen by over 500 people. And he sits at the right hand of the Father ever interceding for you. And you need to tell people that is the information they need to get saved. They need to know what was happening in your life before you got saved. And they need to know, they need to relate to you so they'll listen to you. But when it comes time for telling them how you got saved, you need to be sure just a very short version or a very long version, depending on how much time you got, the gospel, you don't put that in, you're talking and not testifying. So always just put the gospel in. You can read about the gospel in a lot of different places, but read, you know, and you know what the gospel is. You know, sometimes you include the virgin birth, but you always have to include the death, the resurrection, the sacrificial life, and the fact that he died for you, okay? So now I'll give you five more minutes, and I want you to write the second part.
Oh, that's about five minutes. Okay. So now you've got your uh, how I came to Christ. And so now we need to write down my life since I became a Christian. And uh, those who are Christian become new creatures. They're not the same anymore. The old life has passed away and a new life has begun. 2 Corinthians 5.17. They should repent and turn to God and produce repentance of their deeds. They need to get saved. And we realize here that this is the place where we give life our, our, our all, okay? Now then, got one more to do, and it, it is since my life, what's happened in my life since Christ came in, okay? Now you need to talk about stuff like, uh, um, you know, how about the change in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, you know, you can talk about things you gave up. And, you know, if you gave up drinking right away, great. If it took you a little longer to get away from drinking, just wait to tell the story a little longer, okay? Uh, but, you know, whatever God did in your life, what evidence did God give you in your life that you were saved? When Jesus, Jesus don't show up in your life to take sides he shows up to take over. Amen. And when he takes over, there's things in your life that are going to change. And so you need to talk about, just in the next five minutes, what happened in your life after you came to Christ.
Okay. So we've spent about 15 minutes writing our testimony. And so you've got that written out. And like I said, this is your first version, but you need to include those facts, okay? And you need to have that information in your testimony. Now then, with the magic microphone, I'd like to ask for a volunteer uh, of everybody in the auditorium except one person. <laughs> and I want somebody that has never stood up in church and said anything to read what you wrote down. Do, 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 do. Who is man enough, big and bad enough to just stand up and read what you wrote? Come on, guys. You're killing me up here. Oh, okay. All right, go. I've been coming to this church ever since I was a child. I lived across this the country club. You don't know where that is down here. I would walk to church every Sunday morning till when I was probably eight, nine, ten years old. I've came to this church all my life. And I'm still here. And that's all. That's my testimony. I love the Lord. And I raised three sets of children. My two brothers, my two children, and who else? I had five of them I raised. My grandchildren, two grandchildren, and I've tended by everybody in the family, one time or another, and done for. So I got a testimony, even though I don't have a dissertation. Okay. I went to work at Collins and Lake, and I got to be a supervisor, and I told them there ain't no way in the world I could be a supervisor. They said, you do everything else, you can do this too. Amen. I done that, and my husband got sick, had cancer, and he said, if you come home and tend to me, you won't have to work no more. So I tend to him till he passed away. And I work just the same, and I'm still working just the same now. All right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's a testimony. Anybody else? Don't leave me hanging up here. Remember, I get the microphone last, okay? <laughs> Anybody? Okay. All right. But you need to start trying to do that and so we say what we do now and uh, what I want you to do right now is I want you to commit to try and share your testimony what you wrote down with one person tomorrow okay there are about 300 people here this morning about 25 people said that they wanted to obey and be witnesses. That's good. And you know what? If we could get five people to commit every night for the next five months, that would be 50. And if we get 50 people committed to witnessing, if I come back in a year, we'll be in three services. Amen. We'll be meeting over in the fellowship hall, too. And God is not, you have not touched the hem of his garden, what he wants to do in this church. Amen. If we just obey. Amen. Evangelism, I'm trying to teach you, but evangelism is caught, not taught. That's right. And when, when, when people start getting saved, people start, new birth brings joy. Amen. And that's physical birth and that's spiritual birth. And so now, and I didn't tell you this because I didn't, I wanted you to, uh, 
shaking your boots for a minute, but I'm going to give you a real easy way to do this. You go home and you write your testimony and you kind of finish it up so that you feel comfortable with it. Real short. And then tomorrow, you find a friend and you say, and, and when you got about 15 minutes, you say, look, there's this crazy man at our church and he is wanting us to share our testimony with other people today. And so, since you're my friend, would you please listen to my presentation so he will not be on my back tomorrow night, okay? So, see how easy, did I tell you it's going to be easy? You ask a friend to listen to you read? How bad can that be? But you know what? It could be, a, it could be the start of a lifetime of witnessing. So, we're going to do that tomorrow. And tomorrow night, I'm going to ask some people to share what happened when you shared your testimony. Okay? So, you think about what you're going to say to the person you witnessed to and what you're going to say to us tomorrow night. So, all right. Guys, witnessing is so simple. Witnessing is vital to the church. And it is vital to your Christian walk that you become a witness. Okay. It's your job to, to spread the gospel. It's God's job to save. Win-win situation. You can't mess it up. All right. Okay, I'm done. We got anything else, Pastor? Okay. And I told, I told you I'd try to be brief, and I have. It's about as brief as I can be, but uh, I thank you for being here Bring somebody with you and let them learn about witnessing. And let's just get started on a journey of obeying God and seeing people saved. All right? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each home that's represented here. And Lord, I ask that we have ears to hear and hearts to receive. And that we would be doers of your word and not just hearers. And Father, I pray for the Holy Spirit to give everybody uh, Lord, the nerve, the want to tomorrow to just simply read their testimony to a friend. But, Lord, what a start that would be. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. I thought the benediction was dismissal. Okay. Hope to see you tomorrow night. <laughs> All right. Go get those kiddies in bed. Get them to school. <laughs>